The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. It's Wednesday. And this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Fantrax. Today, my guest is Lucas Beery, the owner of DC Dynasty. Uh, you can follow Lucas at LucasBeery33 on Twitter. Lucas, how are you doing? Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, I'm doing great. I'm really thankful that uh, you've had me on. Um, I've started playing Dynasty over the last six years, and uh, it doesn't feel too long ago that I remember you and Clay Link uh, talking up uh, – Colton Welker back in the day. So uh, come a long way to kind of be a a listener that's learning more about the game to somebody that kind of puts out some of my own thoughts. So honored to be on and uh, excited. Man, I love loved Colton Welker back in the day. Uh, (laughs) He was uh, he he was much better for you than South Bend, it seems. (laughs) That was a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, man, blast from the past. Uh, Hey, Farhan Zaidi saw something in Colton Welker, too. Um, So uh yeah uh thought he was going to be you know kind of a classic good hit tool third baseman type but uh just kind of ran into injuries and power didn't really develop um but i i wanted to have you on because you recently launched uh your site dc dynasty uh do you want to kind of give uh the listeners sort of a a rundown of, of what you got going on over there yeah absolutely um, so I've, I've written a little bit of fantasy baseball content for a few sites over the years, uh, whether it was Dr. Roto uh, the past few years and a little bit for Lenny Melnick and Casey Bubba. And uh, that was a lot of fun, but I really just kind of wanted to provide my own niche since it's hard to find your niche in the fantasy baseball realm. Um, and I love dynasty leagues, of course. Deeper dynasties are my favorite. And I love draft and holds, a format I've uh, becoming more and more involved with over the past uh three or four years and that's what the site focuses on deeper kind of part of the player pool uh it's going to focus on dynasty fab pickups in season as well as some redraft fab pickups um covers position tiers just so you can kind of get a brief look at each guy that i have in my tiers and some draft champions articles so a little bit of everything that i just said nice yeah that's a that's a cool niche to kind of to kind of carve out there because uh Draft and hold is so much fun, and obviously the best part is is you don't. Well, there's a lot of good parts, but the the no in season fab is great. Uh, if you have a good handle on the the player pool, the the players deep down, uh, 
in those later rounds, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you and I have both been doing draft and holds for a while, uh, but I did kind of want to just go through and sort of uh, touch on some sort of questions maybe for that might help out beginners in the format or just the kind of stuff that, you know, generally comes up in a, in a draft and hold. Um, so one thing that I, I feel like people are talking about a lot and uh, ranging opinions, but uh, do you have any sort of targets, rough targets for how many players you want eligible at each position in a, in a kind of a, let's, we'll use the, the draft champions, 15, 15 team, 50 round format. Um, do you have any targets for how many players you want eligible at, at each position when you're done with your 50 rounds? Uh, or do you just kind of play it by feel depending on you know how strong or weak you are at certain spots and, and sort of let that dictate uh, how many players you're carrying at each position? Yeah, so I, I typically kind of just take the player that I think is going to best fit in my build up until about round 30. And then I start looking, okay, I need about two more uh, infield guys. I need a shortstop or I need a, you know, a first baseman at that point. Um, and I want to have at minimum of three players eligible at each infield spot. So at least three first baseman, three shortstop, but that's at minimum. I'm typically looking for at least four guys and that's where getting your multi position eligibility guys is going to be a huge factor. Um, those guys are, uh, so huge to, to get that build right. Um, so yeah, you're going to want probably four players at each position and the multi-eligibility guys help you cover that. And you usually want at least six to eight players, six to eight middle infielders, six to eight corner infielders too. Um, Cause if you have just two middle, two multi-eligible guys like Isak Paredes and DJ LeMahieu, that's good that you have those two guys, but you can only use them in so many spots. And if they get hurt, you want to have that six to eight uh, middle six to eight corner infield guys. And then personally, I want at least 10 to 12 outfielders. 12 might sound extreme to some people, but as we know, uh, outfielders get hurt, they underperform, and getting more options is never a bad thing, especially if you can get the multi-eligible outfield uh, players. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice. Uh, it seemed to me, especially the last couple of years, that I uh, usually was just fine in terms of my infield depth as the season wore on, but yeah, especially once you get to August, September, you might end up trotting out some some pretty shaky fifth outfielders in a in a draft and hold. So, uh, yeah, I, I like that ten to twelve number there. Uh, I've been kind of going with around ten um, most years, but this year I've noticed I have ended up with uh, eleven or twelve in, in some of those. So that that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, as far as uh, as far as catcher. Um... I usually was four catchers in a lot of my leagues last year. Um, but you you just, in the last few rounds, if you're taking a catcher, the hit rate is so low. I've been okay kind of spinning towards three catchers. Um, so that's kind of a small change I've made this year a little bit. Yeah, I think that that's, that's smart. Uh, if, you, if you have four catchers, then I hope you didn't really use any high picks really at the position. Uh, part of, part of the appeal to me of, of taking uh, good catchers in a draft and hold is that, you know, say I, say I take two of the top 12 catchers, 
uh, I probably just won't even take a third. Or if I take two of the top 20, I might just take one more. And so part of that value of taking the good catcher, and this kind of applies for closers too, is that you get an extra roster spot to devote to another position later in the draft because you're not reaching for that really middling catcher option who you hope you never have to use. Uh, so that's that's a part of the equation I feel like uh, we don't necessarily always talk about, especially in, in DCs, because uh, if you kind of think about it, like I'm taking uh, JT Real Muto, you're not only taking JT Real Muto over the other players on the board there, but you're getting JT Real Muto and sort of your, we'll say like your ninth outfielder versus a shakier catcher. And then you have to take another catcher there instead of your outfielder. Absolutely. And I, a lot of the times I kind of think about each of my round picks as auction dollar values. So you just don't want to overspend if you're spending up, a good healthy amount on two good catchers they're going to play every day you don't need to keep putting resources towards that because on paper those guys should produce for you and if they don't it's not like kirk casale's going to exactly fix your problem in the 49th round right if you took yeah if you took jtr and he misses four months mm-hmm. plugging in casale or maldonado or whoever it's is not gonna solve your problems yeah uh who are, who are a couple of your favorite multi-position uh, eligible players to go after in those middle rounds of DCs. Yeah. Um, one guy that I've, I've gotten in quite a few shares, uh, Max Muncy. I love just getting him. If I waited a little bit on the third base position, going to be part of a premium Dodgers lineup. And he produced better as he got healthier throughout the year and got a nice extension from the Dodgers. So they seem to be confident in him. And it's nice because he has the second base because you never know what guy could get third base that you don't expect. So you're just going to have choices to play guys that have four games Monday through Thursday and just get more at-bats that way. Um, Bryson Stodd is wonderful for shortstop depth because that cliff is really ugly. Um, You know, it it can get bad if you don't get that shortstop depth addressed. So I love Bryson Stodd for that. Um, Jake Cronenworth is a player that is going to – feel boring to a lot of people, but when you can have more flexibility in your lineup to play the matchups better, that's going to be a huge plus with corner infield and middle infield. And um, yeah, Gene Segura is another player that's going to get the multi-position eligibility since he's penciled in as the third baseman for the Marlins. Um, So just that corner and middle infield is just so colossal. I had a few builds last year where I took – Brendan Rodgers, because he had shortstop in second, and that's just not that impactful compared to the CIMI. So that's another kind of thing that I noticed a little bit uh, last year. Yeah, that's that's such a good point. When not all multi-position players are created equal, right? Like the, the dream is to get the guy that's corner, middle, outfield. Uh, not that many of those, but at least getting, you know, one outfield, one one infield position plus outfield or both corner and middle uh that's just huge and uh you mentioned one of my favorites a little earlier uh isak paredes i was in a uh draft yesterday man it's all blending together i'm in like three drafts (laughs) right now i was doing an auction last night somewhere yesterday i ended up with paredes and uh it just really sort of helped me uh 
because all the positions he's eligible at were sort of my three weakest infield positions. So I just kind of put my mind at ease a little bit there. Um, and I, I think he's going to play a lot. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I love that call. And if you want kind of a watered down version of his skills, Wilmer Flores has the same eligibility. He's not going to excite anyone, but when he's hitting in a good lineup spot for the Giants, that'll be solid and a few more quick hitters. The middle infield and the outfield guys, Gavin Lux, Nick Gordon, Chris Taylor, and Christopher Morrell. The benefit of those guys is, is they're going to also maybe add some other spots too, so yeah. another nice plus too. Yeah, do you have a, do you have a favorite of those four? I, I, I'm glad you mentioned all four of those because I, I'm often on the clock and I'm kind of considering uh, most of them. Um, because they all kind of go around the same spot. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I've been getting the most Nick Gordon just because he's the cheapest. So it's that's kind of a nice aspect to him. Um, I think Christopher Morel, uh, he definitely has a lot of variance in his profile, but just so much boomer bust. But I mean, he could be a game changer, right? With 20 steals, 20 home run potential. Um, but Gavin Lux is one that I've kind of circled to a handful of times. I just feel like he's a multiple paths to value player, former 70 future value prospect. And it's not like he struggled. He had a, a 111 WRC plus last year. And a lot of that's on base. I agree, but um, I could just see a few more facets of his game opening up to a floor that was already solid last year. Yeah. Lux is really challenging to evaluate. Uh, just, you know, he's got the career 5.3% barrel. Uh, yeah, just how much how much power are we getting there? Uh, I think I think he might surprise people with how much he runs this year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, got to double-digit steals for the first time. Uh, I think Dave Roberts has kind of been talking about having him run a bit more. But, I mean, do you, do you see the upside as like sort of 15 to 20 homers? I mean, he's hit 18 homers in 1,000 big league plate appearances. Yeah, I think if he were to get to 15, that would be a really nice win, of course. Um, but as far as he's provided a strong on-base profile, and the average has been been helpful um, over his career. And the, the plate skills are good. It, a player that I looked at that obviously is far different, but Glaber Torres, if you look at Glaber Torres, it feels a little boring. But once you add it up at the end of the day, you're okay with it. This is like a lighter version of that where – you know, maybe a 12-12 guy with a 270 average and, and good counting stats because the Dodgers are going to rely on his young body to to work through the season. Um, it's not a sexy play per se, but I just like the fact that he has multiple paths to value. Yeah, uh, I do. I do like that as a as sort of a, a a light version of Glaber Torres as a cop for for Lux. Uh, I might be kind of headed towards. So with Morel. Um, Man, there was like a there's an athletic article. I think it was a, a shot of Sharma where he was. Uh, I mean, this is the time of year where you really got to be careful when you're looking at beat writer stuff and them sort of. I mean, every beat writer's got an article where they're projecting who they think is going to make the opening day roster, right? And in a lot of cases, it's just the beat writer sort of guessing or uh, opining about what they think will happen, but there's no real reporting behind it. And mm -hmm. uh, if you've, if you've been sort of studying 
a, a team's depth chart a bunch this off season and sort of thinking about um, how the pieces are going to fit. I honestly think there's a, you know, we, we can sometimes consider ourselves more the expert on that type of stuff than the beat writers of these teams, because they're not playing fantasy. They're not looking at all the stuff we're looking at necessarily. Um, so I, I you got to be careful to not sort of read a, a beat writer's sort of opinion of how things are going to shake out and take that as, Oh, that's how it's going to go. Um, so this is that time of year where you really got to have your filter on. But, uh, I think there was a, there was speculation that maybe Morel even opens at, at triple a, uh, which I think would, would be, um, <laughs> really a bummer if I were a Cubs fan and it, they were just like, look, we're going to play Patrick wisdom a bunch and, Christopher Morrell is going to be in the minors, uh, but it, it could happen. And uh, I've got probably enough Morrell uh, where I, I, I'd be okay uh, getting a value on him. But Chris Taylor of the guys you mentioned is probably the safest to me. Uh, and you look at that batting average from last year, that's going to scare people off. Uh, but I think he was playing hurt. Um mm-hmm at times. And I just look at their depth chart. I think Dave Roberts will, will lean on Taylor uh, more often than not. So um, he'd be probably my pick at this point of those four, but I've been all over the map. I, I probably would have had Nick Gordon as my clear favorite uh, back in the fall. And then I would have had Christopher Morrell as sort of my clear favorite uh, a month ago. And, and now I've kind of come around on, on Taylor a little bit, but um, all good options. Uh, so what's your, what's your approach to saves in a draft and hold, uh, obviously no fab. So what you leave those 50 rounds with is what you have in terms of saves on your roster. Uh, what's, what's your general approach there? Or do you, do you mix it up? I really don't mix it up that much. Um, for NFBC formats, it's been a challenge for me to pay a second round price for Diaz or Class A. But I am okay in that that third round range of Hater, uh, Jordan Romano falls to me, or if I'm kind of on an end, and I know in the fourth round I can pick up a Rizella Glacius, um, or even a Ryan Presley. I think that as much as it sucks, you just kind of got to do it because you're going to give yourself six, seven points probably floor for saves. So that's just huge. I mean, it's worth the pick alone, and uh, those guys are less bus risk in my opinion than the kind of 150 and beyond closers just because you're getting a better skilled player and the team is committed to them and they've proven it year after year so yeah i pretty much have to come out of the first five rounds with a closer um unless they just all fly off the board we were actually at a draft at first pitch arizona uh, one of the first drafts and it came all the way to the uh end of the fourth round there for me and there was just no closers available i mean it was just all the way to helsley um bautista was gone um doval was gone i mean all the guys were gone so i just kind of took the took the because if that happens of course position players and pitchers will fall so that's kind of the nice thing to being a little bit open and i ended up with bednar i think in the seventh or eighth so that kind of was okay i thought so, but I, yeah, I'm typically trying to get one of the early guys just to establish that saves floor. 
Yeah, and the, it's important to point out, obviously, the, the NFPC Draft Champions Contest that we love. Uh, there's an overall prize there. So just kind of being um, mid-pack, a little bit worse than mid-pack and saves in your league isn't really going to cut it if you want to contend in that overall. Uh, on the contrary, like my, my Tout Wars Draft and Hold League I'm in right now, there obviously is no overall. So... Uh, it's been a kind of a shock for me to just sort of see how long closures have been lasting in this league, but I, I, I totally get it. And so you got to obviously factor in your format there. Um, I'm generally the same, uh, as you know, with, with the approach to, to saves there and draft and hold. All right. Uh, we're going to head to a quick message from our sponsors. And then when we come back, uh, Lucas and I are going to look at, pockets of value by position and then we'll give our most rostered draft and hold players so far this season we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than underdog fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. 
Right now, Underdog has MLB Best Ball tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has 500K in total prizes. In Best Ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex. Each week of the regular season, getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your 100K Dinger team today. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. So I'm in multiple Fantrax slow drafts right now. I've got the Tout Wars Draft and Hold League that's drafting. Uh, the player pool is just, it's so easy to navigate. Uh, it's, it's great on your phone. It's great on your, your desktop. And then I'm in the, the Highlander um, preseason draft, which they've let us you know customize it so that there are some teams that have to draft double-digit players in this draft. There are some teams that only have to draft a few players. And so it's very customizable. It just skips the the teams that have filled up their spots. There's not much uh, commissioner um, duties involved, really. I mean, if you've, if you've ever been a commissioner of a fantasy baseball league, you know that some of the sites are, are just a real pain to kind of navigate and, and add players and add placeholder players and stuff like that. You don't have to worry about any of that with Fantrax. So if you, if you play Dynasty, if you play Keeper, uh, it's definitely the place you got to be playing. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com slash Rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Okay, Lucas, up on uh, up on DC Dynasty, you've got some positional tiers, which are great. Uh, definitely recommend people go check those out. Uh, and what I want to do here quickly before we go to our uh, player shares, uh, which will, which will be really fun. I'm, I'm excited to see who you've got the, the most shares of, but, um, I thought we could go position by position quick and kind of look at your tiers and sort of, um, pinpoint which tiers we think, uh, the most value is in terms of drafting for drafting holes. So, uh, let's start with catcher. You've got your tier one, your diamond tier, which has, you know, Riamuto, Varsho, Will Smith. Tier two is the the platinum tier. Uh, then we got a gold tier, uh, silver tier. Where where are you looking uh, to land your, your catcher one generally in, in a draft and hold? I've only had a handful of shares of Real Mudo, um, so he's kind of obviously based on where your KDS is. If you're kind of in the back half to maybe at earliest middle of the second, so I've only gotten him a handful of times. Um, and funny enough, James, you talked about how Fantrax uh, standalone league treats closers differently. I've noticed Fantrax standalone leagues treat catchers differently too than the NFBC market. So I always try to keep in mind what kind of format I'm in, but let's say we're talking as far as the draft champions goes um, really at ADP. I like, I like all the top guys, but I think that the best values are kind of in the uh, Wilson Contreras and MJ Melendez range. Uh, I will certainly include Alejandro Kirk in there too, and 
Um, I'm more than happy to come away with Sean Murphy as well. So those are those are some guys that I'm really excited to take at ADP or even a little bit before if I feel uh, other people are going to take them. Yeah, I I think uh, you definitely nailed it. I mean, especially um, like I did an auction last night and and that sort of platinum tier, and I might even include Sean Murphy and William Contreras in there, who you have in the gold tier. Uh, that's a great spot uh, because you're just, those guys are all very, I think, reliable. Uh, and you're not, you're not paying that, that super premium price. Uh, but you can see catcher runs. And so mm-hmm. if you are, if you're picking at one of the ends, there's a chance that that, that tier just really gets hit hard um, before you can get on the clock again. Absolutely. Uh, do you, uh, are there any pockets you like for the the catcher two? Um, if I get shut out as far as getting my catcher two from that tier you just alluded to, um, I usually just kind of wait for the best value to drop. Um, I've seen Danny Jansen fall far in some leagues based on the cluster they have with belts, uh, Jansen and Kirk. So. I still like Jansen because on a per plate appearance basis, you're going to get good statistical production, even though the volume could be low. So I kind of like that Jansen and I'm willing to take a gamble on Kybert Ruiz and Gabriel Moreno. I think those guys are kind of key cogs in their franchise's future. So I think they're going to get plenty of opportunities so that those teams can get those guys development time. And I'll throw uh, Christian Vasquez and Jonah Heim in there as well. Cause those guys are going to get plenty of at bats too. Nice. Uh, all right, let's move to first base. Um, I mean, is there any other answer than this gold tier uh, of Jose Abreu all the way down to, to Rowdy Telez? No, and I love that tier. I love living there, and I haven't really taken my corner infield out of that tier a whole lot, but um, it's just obviously we, we all pretty much love Vinny Pascantino on paper. It's just there's other values to get that are just better bargains in my opinion. So that's kind of why I haven't gotten much of him and I gotten any of him in fact. And with Jose Abreu, um, he has, he has such good upside with accounting stats, but it's just one of those things where I'm, I'm happy to take Anthony Rizzo or, or Reese Hoskins or, or Rowdy to less uh, significant little bit cheaper. Yeah, and I I love the the diamond tier, the the Freddie Freeman, Vlad Guerrero guys, but that's very dependent on on where you're drafting, kind of like with JTR uh, among the catchers. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I I was kind of commenting on this during my auction last night. I think that gold tier, uh, when we kind of get closer to opening day you might see some surprising orders of, of first baseman coming off the board because uh, the ADP has been pretty sticky with like Hoskins at eight, uh, Vinny P at, at seven, uh, Nathaniel Lowe. But I, I think there's a case that guys like Christian Walker and Rowdy Telez belong in the middle or near the top of this tier, honestly, to me. So uh, I don't think you should be a slave to ADP. Yeah, on this tier, uh, because 
the closer we get to opening day, the more people are going to kind of just show their full hand and, and take guys where they really want them. I think that's a, a very good call. And I think one of the other nice things to this tier two is that you can kind of get greedy and, and you don't have to reach up for your first baseman because one of these guys could drop to you. And if they don't, you have some sweet uh, backups such as Josh Bell is going to be everyday cleanup hitter in Cleveland. Josh Naylor, I don't think is going to get platooned as much as some people think. I know you're very high on him too. And, you know, if in a 15 team league, I, I missed everything. I, I feel good enough about Tristan Casas. I could make him my starting first baseman and live to tell about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of an example of that. Uh, I was in, I was picking at the, um, kind of the, the beginning of the draft in a, in a league and, I completely missed uh, that run from the the gold tier. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, five or six of them went. I was hoping that I'd get one of them to come back, and they all just went before my next turn. Um, and then I, I didn't take Josh Naylor right away then, um, mm-hmm. but I took him ahead of where I usually take him just because I, I think he's still a value in the, in the late 100s and just kind of wanted to – not have to really wait. Uh, you know, it's nice to get really solid production, at least from your, your starting first baseman, if you can. Um, but yeah, just don't be a slave to ADP, uh, especially closer we get to opening day. Uh, let's talk about second base. Uh, this one, I, I have not been as sort of like, I can, I can go a bunch of different ways in terms of attack in second base. What about you? Funny enough, I'm kind of the opposite. I've pretty much done a lot of the same game plans. Uh, I have a handful of Jose Altuve's, but he's really the only top guy that I'm, I guess, thrilled to take at ADP. Um, so, of course, that means I'm going to have to have I'm going to have to slide down to the injury bounce back tier. The Brandon the Brandon Lau, Cattell Marte, Jonathan Indian, Jorge Polanco range, and um, you're getting a good discount on them which is nice, but they do have risk, which is obviously the scary part. But in a 15-team league, you, you kind of have to be weak somewhere. And I think uh, for for the bang for your buck, I think that it's worth taking the risk on those those guys since they're not, they're not too old. Uh, they're going to all hit in good lineup spots. And uh, I think they all provide something a little different but valuable for your team. I do agree that that – that gold tier, uh, the last guy you have there is Jorge Polanco. I, I definitely am not thrilled if Jorge Polanco gets drafted and I still don't have my second baseman. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of – he's the last guy that I feel really good about leaving a draft with as my starting second baseman. Uh, but there's still, there's still guys. Um, and, and in a 15-team league, you know, you're just not going to be – you're not going to love every single guy in your starting lineup uh, at the end of the draft. You're going to be weak somewhere. Mm-hmm. And there's so many guys that have second base eligibility that as you're adding those dual eligibility guys in the middle rounds, odds are you will pick up a couple second basemen who are pretty solid. So, um, you know, we, we definitely want to get a guy we feel really good about as our starter, but don't, don't panic um, in those scenarios, especially at second base. Uh, okay, so third base. Uh, I think there are really good options at third base later in drafts, um, but I know that that's that's not a, a universal opinion. Uh, a lot of people want to 
make sure they get a guy uh, at least in your gold tier, that Henderson Bregman tier. Uh, what say you? If if it's uh, if it doesn't feel like I'm reaching too much and it fits the team needs, I'm I'm happy to grab one of those top eight third basemen, of course. Um, but I'm also okay not getting them. I think there's other options that you can play. Uh, we talked about Max Muncie earlier. I think he's nice. Uh, Matt Chapman, you're going to have to plan for a poor batting average, but with power drying up so much, his ADP has stayed the same, even though he's further and further away from that hip surgery. So I think that's a, a bargain, honestly, in my opinion, with Chapman at ADP. Um, but if I miss on those two guys, I just I don't feel convinced to go for Suarez or Hayes. I'm probably going to keep waiting a little while and have that be my weaker position, take a Justin Turner uh, or shout out to Rob DiPietro. I could live with Yandy Diaz too. I just have to focus really hard on my power to make sure it didn't you know, hurt me too bad. Yeah, and I, I'm even comfortable uh, in a 15-teamer if I got, and, and this is sort of assuming that I got a first baseman already to fill my corner spot, mm-hmm. but I don't even mind leaving with Moncada as my starting third baseman or even mm-hmm. Ha-Sung Kim. Like if I, uh, Ha-Sung Kim kind of gives you what Brian Hayes gives you. <laughs> um, so I don't mind, uh, I don't even mind, messing around in that, that copper tier down there, tier six at third base. But uh, obviously that's sort of a, a last uh, resort type of thing. That's true. And obviously it just depends on your format, but there's upside kind of third baseman that you can target, whether you believe in Brett Beatty's, you know, power, if you want to kind of stash him into your DC, or if you want to go for the gold and take a Jordan Walker and then back him up with a, with a cheaper guy, there's, there's ways you can go about it. If you know the player pool, I just, I get that there's a drop-off, but there's other ways to go about uh, third base if you missed on the top guys. Okay, so I just I can't wait anymore. Let's get to the player shares. Uh, I, how many? So how many uh, leagues, draft and hold leagues, did you count for your uh, player shares here? Yeah, so I counted nine leagues for my my draft and holds. Great. Mix of, and- mix of NFBC and a mix of fan tracks a little bit. And uh, I'm counting four leagues. I did three uh, draft champions and one uh, one fifty, uh, which is a, a twelve team draft and hold on the NFBC. Uh, definitely recommend those. Um, if you're if you're down in the dumps and you uh, want to cheer yourself up, join an NFBC fifty and just uh, enjoy how how fun your roster can be in those. But um, so yeah, I'm doing I'm doing four leagues for me, uh, and I, I have nine players that I have at least three shares of. And oh, and we're only doing players who have an ADP outside of the top 300 for these. So uh, really, kind of tailoring it towards the DCs, the guys who are going late. Um, so uh, why don't you give me your your first guy and and let me know what uh, how many of the nine leagues you have. Man. Well, I kind of wanted to throw a bonus name out there because this guy made my cut, but he was too expensive for the ADP. Um, but I do have four shares of Charlie Morton. Wow. I was taking him over and over and over again, and I just kind of had to stop because he's 39 years old and <laughs> could blow his arm out. But, you know, I mean, if you're looking at strikeout consistency over the past four full seasons, he's hit that 200K mark, and Atlanta gave him a solid contract uh, extension uh, beyond this year. So, 
uh, for wins, strikeouts, the ratios could be a little rocky, but I think he's going to see better days in 2023. Yeah, I, I like Morton. Uh, I think I actually got him as like my SP3 in a draft, uh, and I quickly backed him up with uh, Rasmussen, which I, I didn't mind. And you're you're right about the, the strikeouts. I, Morton and uh, kind of even a more premium guy, uh, but Robbie Ray, I think those two guys are, are great options to kind of keep you on track with strikeouts, even if you didn't get two sort of like top 25 uh, starters. Um, but okay, we got Morton out of the way. Uh, who's your first guy going outside the top 300? Um, so as far as my highest owned uh, major league pitcher, and a lot of these guys are late darts just because you don't want to obviously overload too too early in the 300 range but uh, Yanni Chirinos of the Tampa Bay Rays um, I'm not sure obviously what his role is going to be uh, throughout the year but he had a great stuff plus metric and is a very smart team his ratios have been better than most people would probably remember since he's out of sight out of mind for many and uh, he's a player that's just easy round 43 grab Yanni Chirinos and you might need you're going to need him at some point and you can use him hopefully yeah, I love that call. Uh, I think he's, I think he would be their sixth starter to me mm-hmm. if 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 someone gets hurt. I mean, I know they've got Luis Patino, they got Fleming, uh, they got uh, Taj Bradley. I think Chirinos is probably the most ready to step in um, to replace someone. So yeah, great value there. And I, I was listening to Jason Collette kind of kind of talk about Chirinos and. Um, Man, it's crazy how long Chirinos has been in the Rays organization. He's been in there for over 10 years. And like you said, he's probably their most ready, capable starter to come in there. And he's so cheap. It's just kind of as a layup in that round 40 range. So my, uh, I've got 100%. So four out of four of my uh, draft and hold league so far. Uh, Kyle Bradish with the Orioles. Uh, just think the price is great um and he's going just outside the top 300 so not as much of a uh, late round guy as chirinos but um and now i'm I'm interested to see if the price goes up uh starts going up on bradish uh you know saris mentioned him as a breakout uh pitcher in his article um i think this morning or yesterday and I'm, i'm all about it i mean i think the I, I look at this Orioles team and uh, they're too smart. They've invested too much in terms of developmental resources to not turn one of these or a couple of these guys that we, we don't really think of as anything special. I think they're going to, they're going to hit something with, with either Bradish or, you know, maybe they can, they can coax a bit more out of, um, Dean Kramer, Michael Bauman. Um, but I, I think Bradish has the best stuff of any of their non uh, Grayson Rodriguez candidates for that rotation. The slider's a great pitch. Uh, he's been kind of tinkering with uh, his fastball, and uh, there have been some sort of Corbin Burns light kind of comps uh, in terms of just the, the pitches themselves. And I don't think he's going to be anywhere near as good as Corbin Burns, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if next year Kyle Bradish has an ADP inside the top 200. Man, that'd be a great rise to, to prominence there. And 
with him, you can you can easily pair him with with a Tyler Wells or a DL Hall if you want to kind of do a little handcuffing. And another thing with with Bradish, it's it's something that Paul Spores talked about. When you see those guys have the ceiling games of the double digit strikeouts instead of just fours and fives throughout their game log, that that shows a hint more of upside. So that's a good call there. Yeah, yeah, I love I love looking for look at the game log, you know, especially the last you know dozen starts I had of the season and see if they they put together that that kind of put it all together in a start. I think he had just a crazy outing against the Astros towards the end of last year, which is always tough to do. Okay, so who's your who's your next uh, top player shares guy going up to the top three hundred? So so another one here. It's uh, not a very exciting player, but I think he has some utility. Uh, Taylor Walls of Tampa Bay, triple eligible middle infielder that has a, a really good glove. Um, he's he's as strong as an ox too. And out in first pitch Arizona, uh, you know there was a scout that that kind of said to, to, and I was a huge fan of him before he said this. So hearing this from the scout allowed me to get a little reckless in my shares. But he was just saying, there's a chance he just gets into more power. He's just low body fat guy, high strength and seeing him play in the field, he just picks it out there. So I think that the Rays are going to want to get him chances and he's probably not going to play much to start the year, but I think as kind of that bench utility guy, he's an injury away from, from having some chances and he can plug him into three different spots. I had I mean, Taylor walls. I think was top. If we'd been having this conversation a year ago, he would have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I was a year early. Uh, I, I haven't gotten back to that well, uh, partly because he just he you know he he does have that really good defender tag, but uh, I've noticed he's he's kind of a two plan guy. He's uh, he doesn't make all the sort of instinctual decisions you'd expect from a guy with his his rep, uh, reputation. Um, but I, I agree there there might be more juice there, and he's he'll run a little bit. The defense. Um, position eligibility is nice so don't mind that especially at the cost uh my next guy that i have 100 percent exposure to in my four draft and holds is another oriole actually uh kyle stowers uh, this one is is probably more about just the price than me just being like kyle stowers is definitely going to be good this year i just think there's a decent enough chance that he's an everyday player for this Orioles team with 20 plus homer power. Maybe that just doesn't happen, but at least earlier in draft season, I didn't think he was being priced uh, appropriately. Absolutely. And in our, in our DCs late, um, sure you can find playing time, but actually looking for the home run upside. That's, that's what Stowers is. And that's important since it's key to just put those home runs in off your bench from time to time. Okay, so who's your third guy? Um, so another player from your uh, from your Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, he's kind of my favorite late outfield target, uh, Sal Frelick. Uh, I just love the hit tool and the speed. Um, he's one of those players that I think the coaching staff's going to enjoy having on the team. I know they experimented him in the middle infield and kind of settled on him in the outfield. Um, but for me, I just think having a player that could come into prominence for a batting average and steals perspective off your bench in the reserve rounds. I think that's huge. And I know there's no such thing as a guaranteed safe prospect, but he feels pretty safe to me with it, with a strong hit tool base. 
Yeah, the only question I have with Frelick is um, when he gets the playing time. Um, I I think you're right. The skills wise, he's very 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 safe for a prospect. Uh, you're not going to get a ton of power, but um, really, you know this this Brewers team is one to watch in spring training. Uh, keep tabs on how all their outfielders are doing keep tabs on who's playing, you know, who's hitting where in the lineup. Uh, I expect Garrett Mitchell and Tyrone Taylor to have uh, close to everyday playing time to start the season, but you could also see Freilich uh, just being better than those guys in camp. So uh, something to keep an eye on. I'm curious, kind of your take, uh, putting you on the spot here, as far as Luke Voigt, do you think he's going to factor into the big league lineup at all? I hope not. Um, <laughs> I <I'd... laughs> So the Brewers, oh man, um, didn't they sign another kind of washed up guy yesterday too? Uh, Naquin, or not, not washed up, but, but just yeah, another, another body to kind of get in the way of the players we want to play actually playing. Um, I just don't, I mean, are they going to DFA Kesson here at some point? Um, uh, because I just don't see how – I don't see any way they would carry Hira and Void at the same time, and Hira is out of options. So uh, maybe – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Void was better than Hira, uh, certainly, but I don't necessarily see the Brewers just getting rid of Hira to play Void, but it could happen. Yeah, that move just didn't make a lot of sense to me, so I was curious kind of your take on it. So uh, my next guy is we're done with the guys that I have four out of four of in my four draft and holds, but uh, another guy sort of going right outside the top 300, like Bradish is Manuel Margot. And I've got him in on three of my four draft and hold teams. And he's basically just a guy that I, if, if from my fifth outfield spot, I want a guy that's going to steal 10 plus bases I go with Margot, and if I want a guy that's going to hit 25-plus homers, I go with Jorge Soler, uh, but Margot goes about 50 picks later. And he's, you know, before he got injured uh, in the middle of last year, he was basically their second-best hitter behind Wander Franco, and obviously Brandon Lau wasn't factoring into things then. Uh but I, I just think Margot is going to play um, as much as any non-Franco uh, Ray. So I uh, just like the kind of five-category potential there. Absolutely. I love that call. And kind of as you were saying before, that knee sprain where he ran into the wall, he had a pretty nice 132 WRC plus that was batting average field with, with some home runs in there too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm loving that call a lot. Nice. Yeah, I you know, maybe that was, maybe, I mean, he was certain. I don't think he's going to have a 132 diversity plus this year. Right. Uh, I think he has actually more. Uh, I don't think he's just a 100% boring pick. Like, I Absolutely. think, I think you could actually earn a decent amount with that pick. Um, okay. So who's your next guy? Yeah. So my next guy, I'm, I'm really curious what you have to say about him since it's not cut and dry. Um, but just because he's been going well after round 40 in a lot of my leagues, Gavin Williams, I've got five shares of him uh, looking over at Baseball America's great content. 
Uh, Jeff Pond has listed him as having uh, one of the best fastballs and one of the best uh, curveballs as well, uh, or slider, excuse me. So I see that. I see a team that's extremely cheap and could easily try to move Zach Plesak for reasonable value to kind of clean up the payroll uh, or even Cal Quantrill. But, you know, the depth chart's already thinning out a little bit with some injuries to the other starters, and he's one of the best pitching prospects in the game. I just think that that cheap of a bet, I think it's it's worth it. Even if he doesn't even see the big leagues, it's worth a shot. Yeah, I I really hope that pick pays off for you. Uh, I haven't done any – or I haven't gotten into the, the deeper parts of a draft and hold since – uh, the Cody Morris um, injury. Uh, so I hadn't really been going after Williams. Uh, I'm a Williams over Bibby guy all the way. Uh, but I'm, I think there is a very vocal uh, Bibby over Williams crowd out there. Um That'll be definitely one to watch in spring training, kind of seeing how Williams is pitching, seeing how Bibby's pitching. Uh, does does Morris get healthy in time to s- sort of start stretching out uh, this spring? Um, I'm kind of more of a Williams in Dynasty than a Williams in Redraft guy, but uh, wouldn't be the craziest thing if he was just so good this spring that he was up sooner than we thought. Yeah, and it is very speculative, as you kind of have alluded to, and part of it's really just the cost. It's it's not going to hurt you too much past round 45, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's the appeal, right, is you kind of look at where similar pitchers to Williams, but guys with more name value are getting kind of pushed up, and he just is sort of an afterthought. So that's that's the nice part about it. Um. Okay, so my next guy is also a pitcher, and he's a pitcher that I feel pretty good about now having as much as I do, and that's 75, 75% exposure to, to Clark Schmidt. Uh, obviously, the price is, you know, he, he used to sort of be a draft champions only guy. Uh, he think he went in the reserve rounds of my uh, auction championship last night, which is a, a 15 teamer. So Clark Schmidt is, is comfortably at least a reserve round guy, I think in 15 team leagues now. Um, but I was, <laughs> I was drafting him, uh, because I wasn't touching, uh, Frankie Montas and, you know, I think it's, it's TBD, whether it's Domingo Herman or Clark Schmidt there, but, uh, Schmidt, I think has more upside and, at the time, he was going late enough that I was on board with it. Now I do I do co-sign the idea of, of taking him in the in the reserves of a 15-teamer, but um, not sure how much I'll get of him moving forward, but I feel good to have those three shares. Absolutely. Great price point on a guy with uh, plenty of upside, and looks like he's added a cutter too, so that could certainly keep hitters off balance, and the wins will be there if he uh, gets that starting nod. Everyone's added a cutter, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny um i <laughs> i feel like i see you know twice a day someone's added a cutter um but yeah yeah hey i'd love it if everyone had a cutter uh okay who's your who's your next guy yeah so as far as my next guy um it's really just kind of based on the price uh 
because uh, he's going so cheap for a starting outfielder. But Trent Grisham, um, his batting average was unbelievably low, and I don't think that's going to repeat next year. I think you're going to see regression back closer to his career norms, even if it's a, a bad batting average, and he already provides power and speed. I think he has the power to provide some home runs. He's obviously shown the speed. I think if his swing decisions improve and he gets more aggressive, I think there's some latent upside here with Trent Grisham. Interesting. Yeah, he's – I have not pulled the trigger on him yet. Um, would you take out a – if you're on the clock, are you taking Grisham or Brandon Marsh? I like the improvement that Marsh showed with Kevin Long hitting coach of the Philadelphia Phillies. So that's kind of a factor for me there. I, I like getting pieces of that Phillies offense. I think he's got a better ballpark too. Um, so yeah, I would go with Marsh in that case. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, I think they're basically the same to me. Uh, you're just getting strong side platoon, some power, hopefully double digit steals types of guys who, might not help your batting average, might hurt your batting average, but um, that's an interesting call. I'll be I'll be watching Grisham this spring to kind of see how he looks uh, physically. Um, okay, so I'm trying to think. Probably not going to get through all nine of my guys. Um, maybe. Uh, I'll do I'll do two very quick. Uh, Jesus Sanchez, I, you know, that's kind of be expected with me um <laughs> kind of a boomer bust pick uh but a, a boomer bust pick with 30 homer upside and i don't think that outfield's good enough to stop him from playing a bunch if he's just kind of keeping his head above water and then uh a quick one jordan diaz with the a's uh i don't know where he's been going lately but Back when I was doing my draft and holds, you could get him super late. I think he had like an ADP around 600 or something like that. So um, I just think he'll be probably one of the A's best hitters by uh, the all-star break. He's second base eligible, I believe. Uh, not a good defender at all, but I, I think he's actually fairly similar. Uh, maybe he's like 90% of prospect Jose Miranda, uh, both bat to ball guys with more uh, power than you'd think. And I know that Diaz's launch angle isn't, uh, isn't perfect, but he hits the ball harder than I think people give him credit for. And that's obviously a, a terrible team with a very shaky depth. There, there won't be counting stats there, but I mean, if you're getting a guy who's hitting third or second in that lineup for the final few months, I think that's that's solid where he's going. Yeah, it seems like he was pretty impressive when you kind of consider age to level two, so another small plus for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, people just don't people don't want to draft A's, you know. I mean, right. it's, it's not fun. Um, but I think he's he's an A worth drafting. All right. So who's who's your next guy? Uh, so I've got two kind of reasonable guys, and I've got one really late kind of reliever that I want to throw out. Um, but Ken Waldachuk is my next guy. Um, based on the stuff plus metrics, he's he grades out really solidly there. And he was able to get enough strikeouts last year to, to let me feel some decent upside with him. Um, and he 
he was unlucky if you look at his at his uh, underlying uh, ERA and indicators. So, yeah, he's just one of those players that it's going to be challenging to get to get wins out of him, obviously. But I see enough strikeouts there, and I see some some bad luck. I think if his ERA was a bit lower, I think his ADP would go up, and I think you're getting a discount because he had a five ERA. Yeah, I mean, you're in good company because Dylan White was uh, trying to pump him up on the pod last week. Uh, I I went back and kind of did some digging on Waldachuk after that, and I think I'm going to keep fading him. Um, I, I The stuff plus uh, pitch grades doesn't align very well with the – the scouting grades on him. Um, but also he got torched by righties last year and was, uh, was quite good against same handed hitters, but, um, you know, maybe that was a small sample. Uh, obviously it was way better at home than on the road. Um, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I can't picture him being someone that I would use as anything more than a streamer. And maybe that's something that is still worthwhile where he's going, but uh, I'm a little lower on wall to check. Um, but you now had two guests in a row say that I should be higher on wall to check. So um, maybe I'm just being stubborn. Um, uh, my next guy, funny enough, is another Oakland day. And uh, I was getting him in the late 30s rounds before he got traded to the A's, and it's J.J. Bladey. Um, oh wow! I, I just feel like there's some some power upside, and in those late 30s rounds, finding a player that could can come in, whether it's in the second half uh, or if it would have been an injury for Miami, he would have provided some home run upside potentially. But on the A's, I kind of like his playing time more. So hate the coaching, but. Uh, you know, I think that there's some some cheap home run upside with JJ Bleday, a guy that I'm not ready to quit quite yet. Yeah, uh, I think that was a good move for his value. Um, probably, uh, but that's yeah, he's he's definitely sort of a forgotten man at this point. Um, I I've never been that big on Bleday, but man, I mean, he might. He might get a ton of playing time this year, uh, just given that situation. Um, I have three more guys that I have 75% exposure to. Uh, Mike Bauman, who I mentioned earlier, Joey Ortiz, both on the Orioles, both guys that I was getting basically in the rounds like 48 through 50. Uh, so not extremely confident in those guys, but I just thought they were good values at the end of the draft and holds I was doing. Um, Bauman throws hard. He's got a good good breaking ball. Just needs to tighten up the the command and then the third pitch, but uh, I like that. And uh, another guy that I have three out of four of is David Hensley of the Astros, who I really like the skills of. And it's, it's, a, it's a bummer that he doesn't have anywhere to play, but... Um, his, I mean, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a Yandy Diaz fantasy profile with a little bit of speed and uh, just nobody talks about him because he's sort of buried on the Astros depth chart, but, and he's UT only. 
Uh, but he can play all over the infield. He can play a little outfield. I think the Astros like him a lot. So I think, I think Hensley is someone to, to keep in mind. I love that call there on Hensley. And he's one of those players, if you if you do end up with a Bregman or an Altuve, you can kind of tack him onto your build in like the 48th round and have a little insurance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, even um, even like Jose Abreu. I mean, I think he's mm-hmm. he's kind of like the next the next man up, I think, uh, if anyone on that infield gets injured. Um, all right, did you have anyone else? Yeah, I have one more deep cut. Um, nice. We can be very brief, but uh, another stuff plus play. Uh, Griffin Jacks grades out mm-hmm. really well. You know, last few rounds of the draft, you kind of can pick him, and if you're not liking your matchups for a given week, just kind of throw him in there. I, I wouldn't expect saves per se. Uh, crazier things have happened, of course, but I think he's just kind of a, a ratio protection guy with some strikeout upside. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can get him uh, that late anymore. Uh, <laughs> saw that driveline video uh, get tweeted out, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if Griffin Jack starts going in like the the thirty. 30 to 40 round range now instead of the 40 to 50 round range, but um, good for you for, for getting him uh, before before the price went up. Yeah. It's hard to kind of envision saves because he just, he seems kind of more of like a four to six out guy, I guess, but um, Hey, I'll I'll be super happy if he gets saved. So yeah. Yeah. And I mean, worst case scenario, he's just a guy that can help your ratios and strikeouts when you're in a pinch. Absolutely. Okay, so our last segment, Lucas, uh, we have to look at round 22, Draft Champions ADP. Uh, We'll each pick a player that we are buying and a player we are fading in round 22. Uh, The players we'll be choosing from, Will Myers, Aaron Savali, Oswald Peraza, Zach Eflin, Noah Syndergaard, Araldis Chapman, Marcelo Zuna, Eduardo Rodriguez, Francisco Alvarez, Wilmer Flores, Alex Kirilov, Kenta Maeda, Abisil Garcia, Isak Paredes, and Jared Walsh. So I'll send it over to you first. Who is a guy that you're buying in round 22? Yeah, so a, a player that I've kind of had a lot of shares of uh, off and on over his few years in his in his major league career. Um, Aaron Savali is one that I really like um, in this range. He had a bit of a pitch mix change when he came back from the injured list late in the year. Um, and he really had excellent results, nine and a half K per nine and 1.5 walks per nine. He played some weak teams so that you can't really take too much into that. But the fact that he's on such an elite team for player development, some people have said Cleveland's pitching hasn't produced the stars they used to, but they're working with less exciting clay with, Aaron Savali, Cal Quantrill, and Zach Plezak. So just to make those guys serviceable starters is a huge win for them. And I think you can see another gear for Savali. The floor is already good with a great whip, and I think there's a ceiling for a strikeout per inning guy with enough length to get the win since he plays on an old-school Cleveland team. Yeah, I would have – that's a great call. Uh, I would have had a lot of Savali shares on my DCs if I had uh, kind of done enough research on him in time, but I didn't have him anywhere last year. I didn't really notice how well he was or how well he was pitching when he came back. 
but I, I love that call. I, and there's actually, there's a handful of pitchers going here uh, that I don't mind as sort of, you know, maybe your, maybe your seventh starter, your eighth starter, something like that. Um, but Savali is a great call. Um, yeah, I like a, like a lot of guys here. Uh, I'll, I'll say, I'll say Oswald Peraza. Uh, I just think he's, he's a really nice uh, target if you're light on speed at this point in the draft. I mean, this, this is kind of the point in the draft where you can really be looking at your weaknesses and trying to, to kind of address them uh, while there's still this caliber of talent on the board. And I, I don't know if I would bet straight up that Oswald Peraza out earns Jake McCarthy this year, but I kind of think he out earns Jake McCarthy this year. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of the, the package of stats you're getting there. Um, so like Peraza in the 22nd round. Um, yeah, I feel like with Peraza, obviously he's kind of one of those guys that's going to skyrocket in the online championship formats just because if he goes off, it's going to be a big win uh, out of spring training. And so I've heard, obviously, this is a much-discussed depth chart, and it's one of those things where we might not we might not need to overthink it. It could be Peraza and Volpe can get, you know, their starts on, on either the left side of the infield, both of them, or one can slide over to second base. It's I like both of them really this year. Um, so yeah, great call there with Peraza. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so who's your fade? Yeah, so definitely kind of looked at uh, Alex Kirilov as a fade for me, but I thought that was a little bit too much of a layup, so I wanted to bring another one. Um, Marcelo Zuna just surprises me that he goes in this range. I just think he's he's very risky, and I think he's a declining player. And I was quite surprised that Atlanta didn't move off of him. I know he's got a financial, they've got, they have a financial commitment to him, and I'm sure that was part of it. But I just, I'm never going to end up kind of drafting this guy. It just seems too risky to me. Yeah, I, I kind of talked myself into getting in on him last year, uh, just as sort of a, a cheap power guy, but. I think I'm finally done with Ozuna. Um, and I think Atlanta would like to be done with him too. They just have that contract on the books, but mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be gifted at bats because of the contract anymore. I think he's, if he's not performing well, I think they're more likely to just pay him to go away than to keep playing him. So uh, I like that call. Um, there's, you know, the, the ones, the fades here are kind of super obvious. Uh, I'll, I'll go with Will Myers. I mean, I, you love anytime a, a guy with power is going to great American and they're going to play a decent amount, but, um, I just think he's really bad at this point. And you know, what, how many stolen bases are you getting? How many home runs are you getting? Uh, I just, I don't, I don't think he's someone you're ever going to, you're never going to want to play him on the road. Uh, He's not a good defender. So I could see him. He's not a good defender. And I just, I I don't know. (laughs) It seems like his role could be reduced in the, in the second half if he gets traded too. kind of like that's another small factor too. So, yeah. 
it's hard to take him at the new ADP. I would like to be able to kind of pick him up maybe two weeks in a, advance or maybe a week in advance if they've got like a four four game run at in Cincy coming up uh, or something like that, like maybe a homestand against the, the Pirates. Uh, but just carrying him all season, I can't really, can't really see myself doing. Um, okay, uh, this was a lot of fun, Lucas. Absolutely, yeah, it was a ton of fun, kind of going over the the draft champions. It was a good maybe a closing of the book with with some of the great industry live streams of uh, of labor out there and some of the other awesome awesome formats. So it's kind of the draft champion season's over for some, but not for all because we do have our fast DCs that we can squeeze in at the last second. Absolutely, man. Uh, why don't you let people know uh, where they can follow you and uh, let them know again where they where they can find the site. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at LucasBerry33 and uh, check out the site at dcdynasty.co. I try to kind of tweet out all my articles once I get them finished up and you can find them all there. So yeah. Well, keep up the great work. Really impressed with the content you got up there so far. Uh, definitely recommend checking out what Lucas is doing over there at DC Dynasty. Uh, this has been the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Fantrax. And I'll be back next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.